Not necessarily. No, I'm comfortable just like this. Okay. Okay. Welcome to the Truth to Power Show on Ready for Brooklyn. I'm your host, VJR Nathan. And with us today is uh, co-host Bruce Whitaker. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, good morning, VJ. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, our special guest is David Chowski. He was born in Warwick, Rhode Island, graduated from Martin County High School in Stewart, Florida, uh, studied painting and received his Bachelor's of Fine Arts in the University of Florida. He presently owns the D. Chowski Art Gallery in Rhode Island. Welcome, David. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, why don't we start the conversation off with a little bit about your art gallery and uh, how you've been dealing with COVID, how, how things have been settling in and what what your uh, situation is like in Rhode Island. Well, I have an art gallery on the on Block Island, Rhode Island, which is a small island off the coast of Rhode Island. It's 14 miles off the coast. It's interestingly enough, it's 14 miles from Rhode Island. It's also 14 miles from the tip of Montauk, New York. So that's where we're out. That's where I am right now this morning. I... Um, yeah, it was, you know, with COVID, we weren't sure if we were going to have a season. Um, we did the, like everybody else, we did the shelter in place. And then then the state, the governor opened up as time went on, opened up. Um, and we have to follow different protocols about having, um, you know, um, personal protective equipment on, face masks, um, hand sanitizers, it has, you know. Um, taking all the steps, um, limiting the people in the gallery um, to very um, so that and keeping the six foot um, uh, space uh, social distancing. Yeah. So, yeah. So we've been definitely um, the island has definitely been on that has been working hard. The the shopkeepers and everybody has um, uh, and the, the local, um, you know, um, leaders of the community have really been adamant about that because, you know, it is a small, um, we're, um, you know, isolated out here and we don't want, you know, and we don't want, um, you know, any outbreaks. And so far, thank God we haven't had any. And so, um, yeah. Have people been coming to Block Island? How has the season been in terms of traffic and things like that? Yeah, it's been, you know, we weren't, you know, we, um, for the most part, we are the the people that I was around. We were very concerned that um, you know we weren't going to have a season at all. But we we have had a season, and we're very grateful that the people have come, have been coming. And yes, they have uh, visited and have vacationed and enjoying the island. And on top of everything else, we've had the most wonderful weather that you could ever ask for. It's been very very sunny beautiful beach days just really uh fantastic weather and so in the midst of everything um the people have had a great time here on the island and enjoyed it oh that's so, great, great yeah 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 and was, uh going into a little bit of your own artistic uh pursuits i noticed you have some really great art of the website tell us a little bit about kind of what inspires you and what drives you as an artist, as a, as a person, and we can go a little bit from there into some of your passions and, and influences. Yeah. Well, you know, I've um, 
I've been uh, an artist my whole life since I was a little, you know, a little, a little boy. And the, one of the things that's inspired me is like, as I go through my life is seeing like a vision of a composition, whether it be, you know, fish um, in the morning, looking up at, at a water lily as I come to like a garden pool, but having those visions and just being like in, in you know, seeing them in nature, a, a composition set up and being like, wow, that is absolutely stunningly beautiful. That is just, to me, that is amazing. And so having that in my mind, you know, as being able to replicate some of those um, shapes and forms with color and paint and, and you know, drawing them out and um, replicating what I see that's very, very inspiring to me uh, in nature. And um, so that's been a, a, a big um, inspiration towards for me is, you know, I spent a lot of time or I have spent a lot of time walking, whether it be on the seashore or walking in the fields in the forest, uh, just looking, uh, looking for animals um, and, wanting to promote that through my art through the through the 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 ecology and through the the stewardship of our natural environment through the the art and so being able to do a beautiful painting of you know the snow owl on the beach or striped bass feeding on Manhattan underneath the north light here the people can take that home they could buy a painting and um take it home and put it and and they can have that for the rest of their life and that can they can touch you know touch on that environment through the art and that's that's true with um you know my art gallery has about i have um about 16 different artists uh in that i represent and each one of those artists that's really their when you know when you, you, when i get to meet them and talk to them that's a big motivation in their life. That's a big inspiration in their life. Um, I have a lot of artists that are very close to me. They're my family members. My father, Anthony, is an artist. Uh, he, he prints fish, which is a Japanese uh, technique called giyataco. And it's where you actually paint the fish. You literally put paint on the fish. And then you put paper on top of that, the fish, and make a rubbing. And uh, we do, eat, if we get a nice striper, striped bass, we'll wash the fish off and eat it afterwards. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's, that's it. That's a, that's an, um, that technique goes back to uh, the earliest fish prints that um, we have that I know of are around 1850. And they're, uh, it's, it's a Japanese technique and it came from um, the Japanese doing their, um, before they had cameras, they would, document the fish of their islands by uh by printing them on rice paper and writing the description about them so it was the way they cataloged their animals their fish that's my father anthony's work uh my and you know he my father's 84 uh, he's still doing fish prints uh he's still assembling them in the frames um but that he's been fishing his whole you know, since he was a child, as since he was a child, um, and so he brought the, you know his love for the ocean um, 
to all all to to my family. My sister Mary uh, is an artist as well. She she prints seaweed, which is called a marine botanical print. She she gathers seaweed and then puts the seaweed in paper, like like you would do a flower. You press it between two pieces of paper with weight, and the seaweed binds itself into the paper itself and becomes one with the paper. And she's been working on that for four, 14 years. She's been working on that technique. And that technique comes uh, from the Victorian era where um, when people were coming from the mainland and visiting the beaches, say somebody was vacationing from Nebraska to see their, um, see their grandparents in Newport, Rhode Island and going to the beach. Well, back then the people didn't have cameras, but they did journal and they did uh, flower pressings so they would go to the beach and then take the seaweed and put it into their journals or make pressings of it That's so fascinating and yeah it is it's very fascinating because yeah. when when you're working with the seaweed there's a lot that goes on it's not just like seaweed is a host to many other different organisms so there's there's a lot that with um, her marine botanical prints there's a lot in the images and there some of are very very elegant and um, and some are quite bold, um, and they retain the color. They they mm. do retain the color. Yeah. yeah, I have another. I have another sister, Rebecca, who's a painter. I have six sisters and two brothers. Oh, so wow. yeah, all from all from the my mother, Saint uh, from Florence, uh, who is in her own uh, who is an artist in her in her in her own right and. Um, but my sister Rebecca is a painter. She likes to paint mermaids, uh, but she does it in such a way that it's very expressive. It, um, her paintings are very, they would be, um, you know, um, uh, very similar to like a Gustav Klint that you have an emotional, uh, there's an emotional component to them. Mm. Uh, mm. And yeah, they're, they're, they're quite nice. And um, there's definitely an emotional um attraction people will um will find with those paintings and my little sister janine is a photographer and um so she takes wow. yeah she yeah. and i sell her it's um i sell her both those um she takes she's um from she's lived out in san diego for a long time she's now in virginia and she is has um a wonderful eye and uh you know, photographs, um, the landscapes and the, uh, the different subject matter that catches her eye. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so do you have a gallery in Newport as well? Um, I do. I yeah. do have a, I have a gallery in Newport, uh, new it's on 60 spring street. It's directly across the street from the Turo synagogue, which is the oldest synagogue in North America. Mm. Uh, it's the synagogue that George Washington, uh, wrote letters to the synagogue to the congregation there saying that um, you're free to practice your faith and you will not be uh, troubled um, and George what they have that letter and um, people visit that synagogue all the time to 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 go to the synagogue and also to see the letters of George Washington there I am directly across the street uh, um, uh, on 60 Spring Street there in Newport and again, more, more of the art of um, more of the 
you know, 16 different artists. Um, yeah. Yeah. So fish- yeah. So I also want to get into a little bit about uh, your faith and the things that influenced you. I know um, as you're bringing up, you just brought up the, the uh, community. Uh, so why don't we talk a little bit about what were some of the influencing factors, uh, philosophies or, or spiritual traditions that have influenced you? And tell us a little bit about how some of the experiences, the modeling experiences of your life that uh, kind of inspired you towards this path. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm def- I'm a believer. You know, I believe in God and I believe in prayer. I believe in um, you know doing the right thing, loving your neighbor. Um, and I live my life uh, as best as I'm able to the, to that end. And so. I, as an artist, I want to make the, and as a, as a believer, as someone who um, believes in that God loves us and God wants the best for us, um, I pray all the time. I pray all the time, and I, I definitely w- want everything that I'm doing to be um, a reflection of my love for God, my love for this uh, world that God created, so when when um that's been that's been a that's been a major um that's been the biggest uh driving force in my life um just wanting to um showcase or show god's creation and god's um love through through my art and through how i um talk to people and how i present myself and uh, and it's a daily walk. It's a daily challenge. Um, but I feel that, um, you know, that there's hope, that there's hope, that there's hope for all of us. And that, um, you know, it's it saddens me uh, that we have uh, all the violence that's going on. And um, I wish that, you know, that people would be more loving and we would love each other more and work together um, more, you know, I have, um, three, I have three art galleries. I have another art gallery in Portsmouth, Rhode Island, and that gallery has a fish print museum. So I have, um, you know, three different, three different locations and, and I'm, I'm only able to do this, to do what I'm doing through the collective efforts of others. And so, you know, um, by me, by me, um, working with other people and also um you know you have to you have to you have to be loving and you have to be forgiving and you have to be you have to be understanding of where other people are at if you yeah if you want to um build something that's that's lasting and that's that's um that's bigger than yourself you know it it can't all be about all it can't all be about you you know Mm. it just yeah, um, and you know, yeah, it so seems like community is built on the idea that we're deeply listening to each other, we're deeply uh, compassionate for each other's struggles, we're deeply um, resonating with each other's uh, stories. So I think that's definitely part of the idea of community is the idea of togetherness. You know, so, amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And you know, exactly. so. I'm meeting people, um, you know, every day and talking to them about the art and talking to them about the artist. And, 
one of the things that the people relate to is that the you know when is is beauty like beauty and joy that when they come into the gallery that they're you know um, going to find a, a a piece of art that is created by an artist who loves this world who loves this life who um who loves the the ocean and the sunrises and the sunsets and is compassionate about that and and compassionate about other people and and working hard to uh, to 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 promote that you know community that's a good point and also there's stewardship there's stewardship in um in what we're doing mm. um yeah tell like, us stewardship is like uh tell us a little bit about what that means yeah well, you know, when you walk the beach, it's a bummer to walk the beach and see like plastic and litter and yeah. cigarette butts and bottles and like, you know, people leaving trash behind. They come out, they have a party and they that's all good and well. You want to have a party, but, you know, clean up after yourself. Like, yeah, it's not really a, a, a proper party if you leave like this terrible mess behind on the beach for the next people. So the stewardship is being mindful and being mindful of, you know, our time here is, is limited. It's short. So the next gen, like the, the kids that are in, you know, that are like 12 years old, you know, they're going to inherit uh, all the following generations that are going to inherit the earth after we go. So our stewardship, our responsibility is to make it better for them as our forefathers have done for us and by not using so much plastic or or being mindful of the how we use our uh, our trash so that it doesn't get into the ocean so it doesn't you know choke out the sea turtles who are mistaking the plastic bags for the jellyfish or um th all the different um things that trouble that really yeah, trouble ocean, yeah. yeah that trouble the ocean and also trouble our our envi our environment when like when you're walking on the street whether it be here or in brooklyn you know when you see trash it has an effect on you it's a visual effect um you may not even notice it but it's a visual effect i mean it's different um than looking at a beautiful sunset yeah. or a sunrise you know it has it has it's like you know we have eyes we're, we're constantly using our eyes to visualize things so what we're looking at has a direct effect on our well-being our emotional well-being um and so you know keeping a clean environment and working hard on that and saying you know this is just as important as anything else to our our mental health um you know if we're living in a clean environment and things are well um we will be well too you know so stewardship, uh, one thing with stewardship is like our ecosystems, you know, here in off the coast of New York, the ocean and off the coast of Rhode Island, the, there's a there's an ecosystem, you know, the these this waterway runs on fish, the, the animals uh, run on fit, the the whole Block Island Sound, Narragansett Bay. You know, when you have a healthy ecosystem, you have schools and schools of menhaden, which are small fish that feed on plankton, which is green algae. And um, if you're not over harvesting those menhaden, 
Well, then the tuna fish are there and the sharks are there and the, and the swordfish are there and the bluefish and the stripers. And, and that, that, those, they go all the way up the waterway. They go all the way up, whether it be, um, whether it be going up Narragansett to Providence, Rhode Island, or going up the Hudson River right by New York. So if you have a clean ecosystem, you know, you have schools and schools of fish going up the Hudson to continuing to breed. Uh, I know the striped bass breeds in the Hudson, Hudson River. So that's all part of stewardship. That's environmental stewardship and um, being mindful of, oh, we, we have a protective measure on the striped bass. Um, then the, they'll be here for future generations. And, um, and then water, you know, what we allow into the, the Hudson River as far as the runoffs, being mindful of that, whether it be trash. That's all part. And that's also generated, I mean, as artists, that they generate uh, artwork from that. You can, uh, you know, when you have a striper, you can make a beautiful fish print. You can do a painting of it. You can, um, you know. Yeah, ecology is so important and understanding that, um, you know, our story, the human story is only one part of the larger picture, that there's so much to our environment, there's so much to our world, the animal kingdom and all this. um, And we're being influenced by um, the whole picture, much more our psyche, our spiritual growth is being influenced by natural growth as well. Like obviously we, we... feel better when we're in nature we feel good when we ha- see as you're saying about the sunset and sunrise we feel good when we see the the movement of the planets and just to recapitulate what you're saying and kind of bring that perspective that our mental health and our psyche is being hurt by being too human centric you know sure sure it's yeah absolutely you know you got to get out <clears throat> um it, whether you have parks that you're able to enjoy and you know uh brooklyn is you know as if you have trees and you have park space um you're gonna have animals and you, i'm sure you guys do have um, all different types of migratory birds that move through uh with the seasons um if you have open space if you have space that they can um they can touch in and just seeing you know one of one bird and for one little boy or girl to look at, whether it's a, you know, a, a, some sort of um, hawk that happens to rest in a tree. And then this is, this is, um, this is how I relate to it is like when I see an animal like that, if I uh, see an animal that I don't understand, I don't know the name of it. I do the, re- I do the research and, <clears throat> I'll go home and I'll write notes or, I'll, you know, I'll memorize it, what it looked like. Um, say I was in Brooklyn and I saw a beautiful um, hawk that landed in a tree and was like, wow, you know, that was it's a bit out of place. But, you know, I know the markings. I go home, I identify it. And then you realize that this this hawk just happened to get pushed out of uh, by a wind. It's coming. It's on its northerly migration to Central America. It just happened to, you know, whether it be a hawk or a a small um, songbird or a wobbler, which are smaller birds yet. And then you realize that, like you you just said, VJ, that you just touched on something that's bigger than you. You just touched on a a migration. And, you know, that migration has been going on 
um, of those animals um, for a long time. And that 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 hawk goes up to, you know, southern Canada to breed or northern uh, Maine or northern New York. That's where it breeds. And then in the summer, it goes down to central in the winter. It goes down to Central America. And you happen to see the male because that was the plumage of that you saw. And then, oh, and then hawks keep the rodents in check. They're an apex predator and they're, you know, they, so there is, and that's another point is like the little things that we see, whether we happen to see a monarch butterfly flying by, blown out of course, or, or a butterfly, um, or a moth, or those, those animals have evolved in over periods of time and they have their own story. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's intricate, it's complex, it's marvelous, uh, they, their life. And, um, yeah, so even, you know, one of the, one of the greatest, one of the best things, uh, that's, that I've been, uh, enjoying is what you guys have down there is, um, the house sparrow. Like I have about, I don't know, half a dozen baby house sparrows that come to the gallery here on Block Island. They just came out of the nest, like maybe two or three days ago. They're what they call fledglings. They can barely fly. And that's like my biggest joy. They show up. I throw them a little bread. And um, they like can barely even fly. And they're hopping around. And I'm just as happy as can be to see those. And they, you know, I know I recognize that they're the females. They, they're not the males because the males are different. But that's the house sparrow. And those animals bring a lot of joy to my life. Uh, yeah, it seems you know, like when I'm, uh, it's also going to comment on the expansiveness and the expansion of, you know, trying to understand uh, every little thing that comes through our uh, every, everything that comes through our field of consciousness is sent for a reason that we're sent there because uh, we want to unpack a story. And there's so many different gifts that come into our consciousness, that come into our field of vision, come into our field of awareness that we can unpack and we can take the time to discover the inner story behind each of these little gifts that, uh, you know, are sent to us or the universe or God or whatever it is you believe has sends to us that we can then unpack and we can learn from, you know, I do. I, yeah. I was going to ask David, how does this play out in the gallery? You know, the interaction of the art, the artist, the, the people who are coming to look at it. Um, how does it play out in that environment? Well, in the Block Island environment, in the Block Island gallery, the, for the most part, the people that come to Block Island and stay here and vacation here, they come because they love the island. They and what they love about the island is the beautiful ocean, the beautiful beaches, the nature. Um, so, so it plays out very harmoniously with the reason why these people are uh, that are vacationing here in the first place, they love the island. I came to the island 16 years ago uh, on a sailboat, and I never left. Uh, I love the island. I love you know everything about it. I love the ocean. I love the rocks. I love the beach. I love the seaweed. Um, so it's a harmonious. It's harmonious um, that people that that's what the that's what people want. That's what people come when they come to Block Island. That's what. That's why they come here. They come here to to get in touch with nature because they love it. 
And so when they come into the gallery and they say a be- beautiful seascape, they love that too. Um, and then they learn that, you know, they learn about the artist. Um, and they learn, you know, that um, they, they, they make a connection with the artist. A lot of the times um, they actually are able to meet the artist because my galleries are cooperative. The artists that showcase their work have to uh, put time in um, here. Um, so they get to meet the artist and, and then, you know, I'm a firm believer that each and every one of us is an artist and that that hopefully inspires them to go and create some of their own art as well. And, uh, you know, in Rhode Island, um, so I have the galleries in Newport and Portsmouth, Rhode Island. And it's no, it's really, it's not any different so much the, um, this is called the ocean state. Rhode Island is the ocean state. And a lot of people have been, have been raised on fishing and exploring the coast and, um, the marine environment. And they love, and that's part of our, that's part of us as a, as a, as a people. So with others, you know, I have to take the time, um, willingly and gladly to explain, to explain to them what they're, what they're, what they're actually looking at when they look at a beautiful, almost like a collage of seaweed of my sisters, it can be just that to people, a collage of beautiful colors of beautiful forms. They don't know that it's seaweed. It's just a beautiful image. And then when you explain to them, they're they're They learn, they've learned something when you've explained to them about how a fish print is made they've learned a technique and they've learned um they've learned something and we all like we all like to learn things right we're we i i try to learn something every day and i try to like i try to um be humble and 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 like listen to what whether it be a a child or a a scholar or you know listen to people and, and listen to what the people are saying like listen to what they're saying um, because we can learn from each other. And that's a, that's also a really, you know, you talk about my, um, you know, my faith and my beliefs is that I believe that we're, we are, we are to learn from each other. And I believe that, you know, each one of us it is in themselves um, blessed with knowledge to give, to share. And so it's, it's really important to, to, to slow down and to, to, to listen to what other people are communicating to us and hear what they have to say and be mindful of it. Because I think the the major block that people have, at least in my experience, people have to listening is that they feel like they're right and other people are wrong. And I think that this uh, trend towards, you know, it's either I'm right or wrong uh, tends to impede on people's ability to listen because they're like, well, that's a, a differing viewpoint. So it's either right or wrong. And if it's right, that means I'm wrong, you know? So that's kind of something I think that really, uh, stumbles people. The idea that, uh, there's only one way, uh, that things have to be and one way, one perspective that things have to be rather that we should understand that there are, multiple ways and and multiple uh universal kind of universe has so many different 
functionality, so many different ways of being, and that um, each one of us has our own path in this journey, in this uh, you know complex design. Yeah, yeah, and their own their own light to shine. Yeah, their own you know their own light to shine. You know, um, I want to um, bring and and tell you guys that what's helped you you brought up you know these blocks. What's helped me. Um, there's a couple of exercises that has helped me as an artist to, to be able to overcome that some of the obstacles that I face. And one, um, as you guys are both writers is, um, I do the morning pages, um, which are, th I write three pages, uh, every morning as, as, as best as I'm able of just stream of consciousness thought. So every morning before I do it, but I, I typically I pray first and then I sit down and I write three pages of stream of consciousness thought of whatever I think of. And then I, I date it. I staple it. I put that in a manila folder and that has helped me as an artist immensely. And that that um, I don't know the author, but it comes from a book. That technique comes from a book called The Artist's Way. Um, and that, that technique and, uh, has helped me overcome blocks. And as soon as you do those, start those morning pages, you advance, you accelerate as an artist. I, I don't, I can't explain to you how it happens, but it happens. And then there's another thing from another writer, um, is a very short book. And I believe, um, um, I, I, I wish I knew the author, but I know his philosophy and, his philosophy, the, the name of his book is called Do the Work. Um, and his philosophy is that as an artist, as a writer, we face resistance. We face, a, it's a force like the wind is a force. It's called resistance. So, for example, um, you know, obviously to, for me to get here to make this phone call, I have to get up. And I, I worked very late last night getting orders, um, getting some artwork done. So I really had to make an effort to get, you know, to you have to make an effort and you have to really, really give it everything you got. Because as that author writes, it's either resistance wins or you win. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he drives that point home. He drives that point home. And I believe that. I believe that as an artist, when you go to create, whether it be a painting, whether it be a book, um, screenplay uh you face this incredible resistance right off the bat whether the all the lead in the pencil is broken or you can't even find the pencil and the phone won't stop ringing because you know there's this emergency and there's that emergency and then you know there's groceries and you have to eat and you have to go to the store and you don't have any gas and the car's broken and the, the landlord wants this and it, there's no end to the resistance yeah. and you have to, you have to fight it. You have to fight it. You have to, um, anyway, so those are, those are, you know, two things that I want to share as, as an artist, because we all have creative endeavors that we're working on the writing, the morning pages and knowing that there's a resistance to your work and that you have to overpower it is, you know, don't they say that there's not there's uh, there's power in knowledge, 
you know, knowing that, like re- knowing mm. it. Yeah. So it's just yeah, not going to happen. It's the not, book just you not mentioned is The Artist's Way uh, with the Morning Pages by Julia Cameron, who she's actually doing some uh, appearances again. I think this may be the 25th or 35th anniversary of the book. Mm. Um, and uh, it's been, as you say, an incredibly influential book in many, many people's uh, processes. And things. Yeah. I had that experience. I've started after the quarantine, which is going on for a long time here in New York, uh, I started doing some more things like I used to do, going to the city, have lunch with people. And I realized how much work I got done during the quarantine because I couldn't do that. And um, how much the, I owe the quarantine for the kind of uh, hyper productivity I've had over the last few months. I've been very fortunate. Many people are shut down by this. They, they're just... Uh, facing that resistance, as you say, and, and can't really write within this, but I've been sort of the other way. Um, and it's, uh, I'm looking ahead saying that this is gonna be something I have to be aware of as things either open up for a while at least, uh, we hope longer than that, um, how to maintain the kind of focus I've been able to maintain over the past few months. Um, so uh, those are definitely great points you're raising. So I would say also in regards to one question I would ask is, uh, you know, a lot of times for myself personally, I'm a more of a written artist or a written writer. And when I try to go to visual art, it's like there's always, as you were saying, there's a block. It's like, oh, I can't seem to get the images as I see it with my eye. And then I get frustrated and it's easy to be like, I can't train my hand to be as guided in its uh, approach. And then there's always... The art supplies and there's these uh, different things you need to buy and uh, I never can seem to get them uh, appropriately. So it's interesting to talk to visual artists uh, as as someone who teaches visual art, um, you know, how you're and guiding people and being able to be more natural or being able to be like capture what the eye sees. So what is your take on that? Well, you, you, you have to be you have to be serious. You have to, you have to, you have to dedicate time. You have to dedicate time. Yeah. You have to dedicate time to it. And you can't, you can't be afraid to create and just, and just, um, for example, during, during, um, the COVID, I started making seahorses out of cedar, wooden seahorses in the basement. We were in, we were in, um, shelter in place and i i carved these seahorses out of cedar and um and now i'm carving like mermaids with um riding dolphins and i just made an octopus last night marine um whimsical so but the thing that i'm getting at is like in the beginning it's rough it's like it the the forms you can't be afraid to start you can't be afraid to to make a move and even if that move is a mistake, yeah. you can't be afraid. You have to, because, you know, Newton's law is uh, objects in motion tend to stay in motion. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest. So what you want to try to do is get the mo- get the momentum. Get, you get the momentum through your discipline. Uh, then, then you start, like, then you start, now you're training yourself. And you're training, you're training yourself like this artistic warrior that has is going to, you know, overcome and overpower 
all the all the forces that may stop it to this end, which is like giving birth to this creation for humanity to share. And it's, you, you know, so many people tell me that they started art, they were, were painting and um, they, you know, they obviously enjoyed it. That's a part of the human being. Like that's a part of you. So then they say they stopped that part. When you stop that part, that part doesn't grow. It's like it's stopped. It's like a, a, a tree that doesn't have the light. You know, it just it doesn't continue to grow. So you may go on in your life, but there's that part of you that doesn't isn't growing. If you sh even if you put like say you put just a minimum of two hours a week <clears throat> on that art. Well, two hours a week, um, you know, there's four weeks in a month. That's that's eight hours and that's eight hours in a month and eight hours. You can do a, in one month. You can make a finished work of art, yeah. but you're only doing two hours a week. So you're not like um, trying to climb the mountain on the first day. Mm. You know, you may just get your materials together or write down a list. But those are increments. Those increments, those little steps, you take baby steps, and those baby steps over a period of time build up. Um, the where I'm at right now is, you know, is I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s, and I've been at this since I was a little boy. You know, mm. I'm, I, I've been at this since I was. So these are all, and sometimes I've, you know accelerated with the art and sometimes there's been periods where it hasn't where it's been quiet where you know i've ha just had to work as a carpenter for um years and years and years um so and then you're able to get back to where you i've also noticed that with the art is like yeah the art the art that you're working on whether you're a painter or you're a writer or um there may be periods where you're not working on it and you're developing your ideas, but the, me the mechanism, the skill level with painting goes back to where, at least with me, it goes back to where I left off. It hasn't, it hasn't advanced because you're not mm. practicing it. It's like, if you practice it, if you, if you practice your art daily or weekly, it excels like anything else. Like if you're going to use the saxophone or the guitar or the flute, you know, when you put that instrument down, when you pick it up again, you may not even as, be as good as when you put it down because you were practicing then. You have to practice just to pick up. Yeah. So those are things that, yeah, those are things that you have to be aware of. And I, I also find a curious thing because I kind of came into writing after as a child, I would draw out stories on a chalkboard and then I started writing the stories down. So I've always had a uh, some form of very, very rustic and amateurish uh, drawing capacity. But a funny thing happens, that, um, there's an intuitive nature to drawing that's different from writing, where you can access ideas or something comes to you that way. And in some, I, I've had these funny cases of the future, like the drawing suddenly evokes the future, which actually does come to pass. Um, I was doodling at the office one day and uh, 
uh, several, like a year later, I went back to that doodle and it looked exactly like the dog we had adopted in the meantime. Um, and so the, those kinds of freaky things come up every now and then for me through drawing that, of course, that, that, don't, that don't come in through the writing. And I, I find it does, it helps you access a part of yourself um, that other art practices and other kinds of habits don't really open up. Bruce, I can't agree with you more. I really can't. I have, I have, I have seen and I've experienced that in my own art more than once exactly and um and nobody's nobody's mentioned it to me but you're the first person that's brought it up um <laughs> you are you're the first person that's brought it up but i have definitely seen that and been um one i'll give you an example one time i was working late at the studio um i was at the university of florida and i was doing some paintings and i was it was really late and i painted this little house and uh I didn't like the painting, but I like I I would you know I tried to I tried to make it more than it was, and I wish I had kept that painting. But um, would you believe, like eight years later, I'm like looking at that little house that I painted. Um, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe yeah. it. I was like, yeah, it was. So, yeah, I mean, that interesting things that you you can touch on when um, when you when you're doing this artwork that you touch on things that are bigger than yourself mm -hmm. you know so yeah it seems yeah. like we're our consciousness is so powerful our consciousness our our minds are so powerful that we, we're not anywhere close to understanding you know and it's not about our minds but mind itself the the mental energy that flows through us is so powerful that we're not even conscious of like a fraction of it on our day to day life, we go about our life. We're kind of obsessed with the narratives that have been told to us that we should be obsessed with. Um, and then when we finally tap into the artistic practice, I think really taps into that full potential mm -hmm. of energy that's flowing through us. And that artistic practice helps us get in touch with that ebb and flow of that energy um, that some call God or div divine energy that flows through us. Um, you know, that divinity, that pure energy that flows through our mind, through our consciousness is something that artistic practice helps to get more in touch with, I think, you know, uh, is that, how, is that your feeling as well, David? Well, I think that's, that's wonderful that you say that, uh, that's, that's a wonderful person. That's a wonderful, um, perception or perspective. Um, yeah, in, in. And sometimes, sometimes it does. Absolutely, it does. Um, when, um, when I'm when I'm when I'm doing a painting and I want to, um, I do think about that. I absolutely do think about that. I think about um, how the different molecules come together to create a form, and how that form has got that energy, and how that energy is um, is is all part of God is all a part of God. And what Bruce was saying about, uh, about like doing a doodle and then of the dog and then like five minutes or whatever, five years later, like here's that dog like that I drew. Um, and here it is. It's like looking at me. So like, so 
I also think that it's really important what we do, what we create, can shape the future, the, even the images that we make, whether they be, you know, um, so having images and paintings that are promoting a clean environment, that are promoting the animals, that are pr promoting the ocean, that is, you guys have tapped on a strategy of myself and my art is that that's what I am hoping that the artwork will and the, my galleries will do um, because I'm not always going to be here. You know, I'm going to pass on and hopefully God willing this, the artwork and the galleries to continue on and can create that better future, better visions. You know, they say that the people perish for lack of vision. Well, we can, we can give it to, we can give the people a vision through our, through two-dimensional paintings that's a, a literal vision but also through the books and our writings and our poems you know i'm a bit, i as a boy growing up i was an avid reader i read every work of jack london that i could uh in fourth grade mm. every book every 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 book that jack written in short story that jack written had jack london had written i had read by fourth grade I had I read everything, um, you know, all the 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 J.R. Tolkien's trilogies, the um, e you know, coming from a big family of we in the and in the winter we got books passed on to us. So when my sister Amy was done with the book, then I got the you know I got the book, whether it be Watership Down or um, the, the Hobbit or um, so I was a great. I'm a great, um, so those are visions of, in the literal sense, you know, when you're reading them, those are creations of minds of that, that have written, um, and they're forming, um, they're, they're forming impressions upon, um, my intellect as a, as a young boy. So I read all these amazing stories by Jack London. And by the time I'm a young man, I'm like, I want to go out. I want to go free diving. I want to go see, you know, sea turtles. I want to go see, you know, bottlenose dolphins. And, and my, I brought up my mother earlier that she's an artist. My mother would quote uh, a poem um, by, um, um, I, I want to say, I'm not exactly, I forget, but it's called If. Uh, the poem is called If. My mother would also, often quote poems. And If is, um, uh, a poem about um, if you can go through all these challenges in life and treat both uh, failure and success the same, if you can you like pick up um, and rebuild your life, which was once glorious uh, with broken tools, um, you, you know, if you can lose it all and rebuild your life with these broken tools, then you'll be a man. That's how the recurring uh for a phrase, then you'll be a man, my son. Um, that that was a poem that I've always had in me as um, that comes up in time of difficulties. And then there's this "Don't Quit" poem, which is um, by Anonymous, which is about not quitting. Um, it, one of the lines is, you know, rest if you must, but don't you quit, because many a failure had um, 
many a failure would have um, would have captured the uh, the golden crown if he had just stuck it out, if he had just you know continued forward, um, because you know life is difficult. Life is difficult. I'm I'm not. I don't want to paint it with a. Uh, it's challenging and it can be extremely, extremely trying. Um, even under the best guidance and the best care, life has challenges for all each and every one of us. And there's times when it can just be difficult to to have that energy, to have that enthusiasm. You know, you're just you're just down in a rut, and you're just you know you're you just you're flat. You know, you, you don't have it and uh, and just rest. You know, sometimes you just have to rest. Yeah. And some, yeah, sometimes you just have to rest. I know there was one time in my life where I was like that. I was like and I put some bird seed out. Um, and I just was just hoping that a bird would a bird would show up. And I was I was like, you know, and I said, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. if a bird shows up to this bird feeder, I'll be all right. And, uh, uh lo and behold, a, a black, it's called a black cat, black cat chickadee, which is a tiny little bird. They're no big, they're no bigger than three inches. Um, he came up and bowled his brass, uh, fed at the feeder. And, uh, I was like, all right, you know? And so, you know, I say I'm working in the yard and those little, and I don't forget those things. I don't forget that because, you know, I was saying I was working in the yard and I'm dealing with all these people and like the be- the best, the most thing that brings the best joy and in, in, to me, to my heart to, to and buoys my spirits are these little fledgling house sparrows uh, that come and share their time with me. And I'm like really honored. You know, like I'm, I, I love them. I love them to death. You know, I love them dearly because I know that there have been times in my life when I hadn't had anybody. There was nobody there along my like on um, this artistic path. There's no one. There's absolutely no one. But there were there was that animal. There was that that little wren. There was that little, you know, I'm I almost feel like the birds can sense the energy of the person putting out the food and they come quicker when they they feel the intention, the strong intention, the strong desire for them to eat it. They almost sure. like they, they kind of sense that and they're like they come to that food because they're uh, like, absolutely they know, they know. They, yeah. those 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 birds are sharp. They're yeah. animals are intelligent. Yeah. You know, they they have to they know. They know if you care for them and yeah. they know if you don't yeah. because they survive. They survive on that, you know. They have well, this, this is all so. this uh, kind of primeval, you know, humans have always painted for these reasons, told stories for these reasons, and yeah. connected to their world around them through these ways, since the, the first cave paintings are the first evidence we might have of that period. But um, well, that's I, I want to I have a when you get off the when you get off the ferry at Block Island, I as soon as you get off the ferry, I have a hundred foot mural of all our native wildlife. And yeah, it's a hundred feet long. It was painted. It took me two seasons. I painted it in 2008 and 2009. It's on Jersey barriers. It's four, you know, roughly four feet high by a hundred feet long. And it portrays all our native, all our native 
wildlife. It portrays the swordfish, the striper, mako shark chasing a tuna fish, uh, tatog, which is a, a fish, swordfish, mahi-mahi, dolphin fish, um, squid. So, but Bruce, what you tapped on is one of the reasons why I painted that because as an you know, as a student of art, I'm very aware of the cave paintings. Yeah. I studied them. I studied. I studied the the reason why they were painted, why the why those artists, those um, those early artists, made those to to conjure up the the game, the megafauna for the next season. You mm -hmm. know, and so here I am painting on rock, on concrete, like those early artists did. And I'm painting the healthy ecosystem of the coast of Block, around Block Island for that, for the little kids to come up and put that their is. hands on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that the development of human consciousness has been highly impacted by artistic practice that just as they're saying, cave drawings brought the, you know, brought the imagination of the, of the, the then uh, caveman and, uh, into the foreground and then then you know you started to see what else is possible what else is possible yeah, yeah. inspired by animals inspired and by the animals, life, yeah. plants and the life and it's, around us exactly, it's, it's exactly. a very tightly woven interdependency thank you so this is the truth to power show and ready for brooklyn <laughs> uh ready for brooclyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization who relies primarily on donations from listeners like you so uh if you'd like to support our mission, please go to RadioBrooklyn.org slash donate. Uh, you can also donate uh, by going to Amazon.com slash smile and selecting um, selecting uh, Radio for Brooklyn as the, as the charity which should support. It'll just take, uh, it'll, it'll take a moment and it won't cost you anything, it, but it'll support through the uh, purchases you make on Amazon. Uh, finally, you can text RFBGIVE5 to 44321. It only takes a moment, and you'll be able to use your digital wallet for the donation. Um, no donation is too big or small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and we wish our listeners health and happiness as as uh, health and happiness. Thank you. So uh, this to end with, uh, we're just starting to wrap up. Why don't we tell people uh, where we can follow you? On uh, Do you have any social media david or would you like to where would you like to direct yeah people? I, sure i i have my <clears throat> excuse me i have my website my website is d chatowski that's d c h a t o w s k y r a r t g a l l e r y.com d chatowski art gallery.com and they can uh, follow me on the check that out and there's an email they can email if they're interested in any pieces 